Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for May 30th, 2018. And we have some decisions to make for Wednesday's slate because there are some really expensive pitchers and there are some really cheap, awful pitchers. So it's kind of figuring out who of the expensive pitchers we want to roster. Do we want to go cheaper pitchers? Do we not want to use the expensive offenses against bad pitchers? So starting out, I think that there's three pitchers who would all be in play for most slates if it wasn't for all three of them existing. That's Max Scherzer at Baltimore, uh, James Paxton at home against the Rangers, and then we have Shohei Otani at the Tigers. Otani hasn't pitched for a while. I don't really know what the deal is with that. But of these three guys, Matt, who of them do you think are the best plays for this slate? I don't think Otani's in play, really. Um, I think the other two pitchers are just better. And I'm not even sure if Scherzer's in play either because the salary just really handicaps us to the point where we can't really fit in offense that easily. So I think Paxton is by far the best choice here. Uh, I know the Orioles strike out a lot, but Texas has such a high strikeout rate against lefties. Uh, Last I checked, it was about 28%. That was just the other day. Um, I think it's still right at that number. Uh, But Paxton, lefty on lefty, with the Rangers being a very left-hand heavy offense that is still missing Adrian Beltre and Elvis Andrews. Um, It's a perfect spot. Seattle is a bit of a pitcher's park, so that's an edge that Scherzer doesn't have. And Paxton is also pitching at home. Scherzer's pitching on the road. So I definitely like Paxton over Scherzer, even though I think Scherzer is a better overall pitcher. Um, And then Otani, I think, just kind of misses the cut because Paxton's a better play and you can't roster both of them. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, that's a little concerning is that Pat, uh, Otani's made, like, two starts this entire month. So I don't know what they're going to do with his pitch count. He started on the 20th, the 13th, and then, like, the 7th. So he's made three starts this month. I, I can't imagine that they're going to let him throw, like, 100-plus pitches unless he's really, really going well. But, yeah, for a similar price to Paxton, I definitely think that Paxton's the better play. He's also been ridiculous lately. We're looking at his box score before. He got off to a little bit of a slow start this season, but at least 36 DraftKings points in four of his last five starts now. So I I think that Scherzer is probably marginally better than Paxton, except there's such a big price discrepancy between the two, and Paxton also at home. So I definitely lean towards Paxton, and then you just hope that Scherzer doesn't throw like a complete game shutout and... I think the other issue, too, is that there are so many expensive offenses that are worth paying up for that you can't use Scherzer with those offenses. So the opportunity costs on Scherzer, I think, a little too steep for me. So Paxton is the best pitching play in this price range. And I don't think I'm going to roster Scherzer or Otani at all. Do you think you're going to? No, I don't think so. Um, There are some sort of contrarian stacks, I think, that are cheap enough where you could do it, um, where you could roster Scherzer and Paxton together. Um, But to do that, you would need some very, very cheap plugs. And I think that the opportunity cost there just isn't really worth it because some of the better plugs are the more expensive ones. Um, So if you're missing out on maybe some cores guys that are a little on the higher end if you try to fit in a lineup with both high-end pitchers. Um, So yeah, I don't think that it makes any sense to go with um, Scherzer over Paxton in any lineups. And the only reason I would roster Scherzer at all is if you could fit the two of them together um, so maybe you can get that in one lineup or something like that, because you do have a couple of course guys that aren't that expensive, and maybe you just roster a stack of like the cheaper course bats. Uh, but for the most part, I'm, I think I'm off Scherzer just about entirely. 
All right, so moving down the salary chart, the guy who we both agree is the best pitching play on the slate is Ross Stripling at 7,300. We did like Maeda a lot for Tuesday night slate, and then he got hurt very early in the game and wasn't really pitching particularly well before then. But I don't think that that should cloud judgment about rostering Stripling. Uh, Reese Hoskins could be out again for Wednesday night. The Phillies already with Hoskins, not a great offense against righties. Stripling's pitched really well lately and overall is pretty good major league numbers. So Stripling at 7,300, I think the really only question we have is, do we roster 100% Stripling or is it like 90 or 80%? I think that's the only discussion I have about him. Yeah, I think this slate makes more sense to spread around offense and I think that these pitching choices are good enough that I don't really have interest in anyone else. I mean, the Phillies' offense against righties is awful, and they do strike out as much as anyone outside of the Padres. So I do think all-in Stripling actually makes sense here. Um, It's funny, five days ago, Paxton and Stripling was the best pitching combo by quite a lot. Um, Although Joe Musgrove was really good on that slate, too. And I think uh, just going with those guys again, it it seems a little silly, but there's definitely reason for it. they are in good matchups again. Uh, Musgrove is not really in a good matchup, um, so I think I just much prefer Stripling to him, just c- kind of trying to look to who else you would use if you're pivoting off Stripling. Um, I can't really find anyone else that really makes any sense to roster. I mean, Fernando Romero could have a good game, Clayton Richard. Th- so that's really about it. I think that Romero is the next best play looking at his numbers this year. He's a 1.880 RA, a 3.22 FIP. Sierra is also in the threes. He's striking out 9.1 hitters per nine innings. The walks are a little high. But just considering how many strikeouts he's getting, the Royals have struck out a lot recently. I know that overall they aren't striking out a ton this year. But I I think that Romero will be worth rostering. If you really need salary savings and need to use two cheap pitchers, in that situation, I think that Romero and Stripling makes the most sense. Yeah, I think Romero is a better play than Musgrove. He's a better play than Clayton Richard. And there's just about no one else that I would even look at. So, yeah, I think Romero is a decent number three um, ahead of Joe Musgrove. Um, yeah, they're re- <laughs> these pitchers at the bottom um, are either – they're very bad. Um, Brad Keller has been decent this year, but he's not a strikeout pitcher. He's just a ground ball guy, and it's probably going to be a bullpen game for the Royals anyway, so – uh, even though he's better than that price tag, probably just his ability as a pitcher, he's, he's still not worth rostering. All right. So getting into the offenses now, there's a couple of bad rain situations that we need to bring up. One is we have the angels at tigers right now, which is about a 50% chance of thunderstorms. And then we have Braves at Mets, uh, Mets at Braves, which has like a 60% chance of thunderstorms, which is really annoying for me personally, because if the weather was taken out of the equation, the Braves are my favorite offense on the slate. We have Jason Vargas pitching against them. Not only has Vargas been terrible this year, but he's pitching on short rest because Cindergaard just got placed on the DL. And the Mets were saying, like, oh, so let's throw Vargas out there because I guess who gives a shit at this point for them. So I think that's something else that we I didn't really talk about when we were talking about our favorite offenses before is how much do you think that short rest for Vargas matters here? Um, It can't really matter that much for how bad he is. Um, The one thing I think it could do is give him a shorter leash where the Mets go to the bullpen sooner. Um, And the sooner the Mets go to the bullpen, the worse it is for the Braves. Um, The Mets don't have a great bullpen, but it's not really a terrible one either. Um, Seth Lugo is okay, but Robert Gazelman is actually a good pitcher. Uh, Paul Seawald has been good this year. 
uh, Jacob Rame. Yeah, naming Mets relievers is just kind of strange to be doing. But the point is the, the Mets don't have some disaster of a bullpen like uh, like the White Sox or the Royals or the Marlins or any of those teams. Um, they actually have some competent pitchers there. So if Varkas only pitches maybe three innings or something, then it's maybe a little bit worse of a spot for the Braves. And there are the enough Mets, other good well, spots. One thing to bring up, though, real quick to cut you off, though, the Mets really had to burn their bullpen tonight because Steven Matz got hurt. So Seawald pitched two innings. He threw 48 pitches. He's probably not available. Blevins threw 30 pitches. He's not going to be available. Rame isn't going to be available. Um, so that could mean Chris Flexen. Yeah, that would be a very big boost for the Braves. So if the weather holds up, the Braves are my favorite stack for this slate. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it's tough. Like, they're not cheap, and we do have a course game. The Rockies are probably cheaper against Derek Holland. But the, against lefties, I think we can kind of just go with plugs with Colorado and just go with their righty hitters who are just a lot better against lefties. Um, so maybe the Braves are the best stack, and then the Rockies just like Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, um, Noel Cuevas, 3,200. Maybe he's hitting second again. Um, yeah, it's hard to argue with a Braves stack, especially with the Mets bullpen being that fatigued and a lot of their better relievers probably not being available. Um, Chris Flexen was part of a 17-6 to loss against the Brewers last time he pitched. Uh, he was someone we actively targeted against a lot last year. Um, probably about every time that he started, he's very, very bad. Um, so yeah, I, I do like the Braves offense and it is a better hitters park. It's just, it's better hitters park than the games outside of quarters for the most part that we like, but yeah, the weather is a concern. So we'll just have to monitor that, I guess. Yeah. And then, uh, for core, so Derek Collins hasn't been good this year. He hasn't been as bad as he was last year, but the Rockies are a lot better against lefties than they are against righties. However, most of the production comes from three guys, and that's Blackman, who I still think is a little bit too expensive for a matchup against a lefty. And then we have Story and Arenado, who are both fine plays. I don't really know that any other individual Rockies are great plays unless we do have Cuevas batting towards the top of the lineup again. So would you make full Rocky stacks or just going to use the Arenado, Black, uh, Arenado and Story for the most part? Yeah, I think Story is the guy to use the most. Um, just looking at shortstop as a position, they're really... I guess there are a few guys here to use, but Story is clearly the best play. He is just so much better against lefties. Um, and then Cuevas is a good play. I think he would be my second favorite Rockies hitter. And then Arenado, for sure, is worth playing. But yeah, I, I don't think it makes sense to have too much of Blackman. And if you're not making Rocky stacks, you really probably don't end up with Blackman at all, um, which I think is actually fine. Derek Holland's been a little bit better this year. And Blackman's just really expensive. It's lefty on lefty. I don't know. Maybe one or two Rocky stacks make sense because it is Coors Field, but I don't have a ton of interest in them. All right. So moving into other stacks, just looking at some of the other shitty pitchers we have here. Matt Moore against Seattle. Seattle's a good value offense. I think they're much too cheap. Uh, Gene Segura, Nelson Cruz, Mitch Haniger. I think all these guys are value to their price tags. I like them a decent amount. Washington upside against David Hess, but there's other high upside in terms of expensive offenses I like. Uh, which other ones are you looking at for targeting some of these crappy pitchers? So the other side of the Braves game I think is interesting because Julio Teron really just isn't good. And he had some strange success early in the season where he was throwing slower but getting way more swings and misses. The last few times out, he's just been terrible. Uh, the Red Sox beat him up, which isn't surprising, but he also... 
he was bad against the Marlins, too. We gave up six runs against them. Uh, I think there's one more start in there, I'm forgetting, where Teron was bad as well. Um, Any good ones came against the Mets. Yeah, uh, he was bad against the Cubs the start before that, too, at Wrigley. And that wasn't a game where the wind was blowing out. Um, so, yeah, I don't think Teron's good. And the Mets are cheap. And also, just the, the construction of their lineup right now with the injuries they have, um, they're a lot better against righties. All of their good hitters are from the left side of the plate. Nimmo, Conforto, Jay Bruce, I guess, has been bad this year, but he at least is a lefty. And Asdrubal Cabrera is a switch hitter. Um, yeah, it's a very left-hand heavy lineup, so it's going to be a problem for Tehran. And I don't think people will be using the Mets because there's this narrative that Tehran is really good against the Mets. I guess he has been, uh, but he's bad overall. So I think that'll probably give at some point. And if Tehran's going to be chalky, I think the Mets make a lot of sense for the leverage. Um, there are a couple other... Well, the other offense that, that's priced similar, similarly is the Mariners against Matt Moore. Um, the Mets are cheaper, though. So I would say the Mariners are my favorite mid-price stack, and the Mets are my favorite cheap stack. Yeah, so the, the Mets are a tough one for me because I don't think Tehran's been good. I, there's just so many shitty pitchers that are going, and I do think the Mets... Offense, well, not. I don't think either of us would argue that they're good. I think people think of them as like the worst offense in baseball, which is not necessarily the case. The issue I have is that Tehran's also far from being the worst pitcher on the slate. So I don't know how much exposure I want to the Mets because there's just so many offense I want to roster before them. Uh, I, I, I do see the angle for them making sense. The other one that I think should be contrarian that is a good option is the Oakland A's against Nathan Uvalde. So a couple things to consider in this game. First, Uvalde is coming off an injury. He hasn't pitched basically all year. He's made a couple of starts in the minors. Good walk numbers, good strikeout numbers, giving up a ton of home runs to not good hitters. So that's a red flag. And then we have at Oakland tomorrow, massive amounts of winds, 25 miles per hour blowing out to center field. Very conducive for hitting. The A's are not particularly expensive. So I think that that's the value kind of contrarian type offense that I prefer to the Mets. How do you feel about the A's, and then how would you compare them to the Mets in terms of exposure you want to them? Yeah, I think generally Oakland, as a pitcher's park, it's a tougher place to stack, but with the wind blowing out, um, it's just kind of hard to determine what Evaldi's skill level is. I would guess he's better than Julio Teron right off the bat, but the A's hitters are better than the Mets hitters. I guess Chris Davis is out right now, so that's a problem. I mean, I definitely like Matt Olson as a plug for 3,700. Matt Joyce is a plug for 30, yeah, 3,100, probably in the leadoff spot. Um, so I absolutely like those guys. I think the A's should be pretty contrarian. Um, top to bottom, they are a little more expensive than the Mets are. But I think they're a good stack, too. So I, I do want to have exposure to both of those teams. Um, and I, I, I don't want to load up on the Braves so much that I that they're like in 75% of stacks or something. I think there are enough good spots here to kind of spread it around. So I think the Mets are a good spot. The A's are a good spot. The Mariners, the Braves, um, and then the Rockies as plugs. The Giants against John Gray are probably a little too expensive. Gray, even at Coors Field, is good enough pitcher that you don't really need to stack against him. Um, but I'm okay with just kind of diversifying it offense because it does seem like we'll end up with basically all-in Paxton and Stripling. Yeah, and the other thing also, just because I put it in, uh, if you use the top five A's hitters with Paxton and Stripling as your pitchers, 4000 in leftover salary for the two outfield slots and the catcher spot. 
like trout type outfielders or whatever, which I'm also okay with. So I like the A's. I like the Braves weather pending. I think that those are probably my two favorite spots right now. Uh, but just depends how that weather looks. Any other teams you want to bring up? Um, I guess we should mention the Angels briefly against Mike Fires, but the the conditions there for the Angels offense just don't look favorable. It's supposed to be, well, potentially raining, and then we have um, wind blowing in in what's already a pitcher's park, or I guess Detroit's kind of neutral, but uh, the weather there, I think, it is enough to be off the Angels. All right, so that is going to wrap up the podcast. You follow me on Twitter at GAaronBergDFS. Matt Storehand was at Preaching Sense. We'll be back for Thursday slate.